it's time for Confessions of a Serial Salesman. Author, expert sales trainer, and serial entrepreneur Steve Noodleberg wants to help you change your life and your business using his 27 roles for influencers and leaders. This is the Confessions of a Serial Salesman podcast with Steve Noodleberg. Here's Josh Cohen. And welcome to episode six of the Confessions of a Serial Salesman podcast. Josh Cohen, alongside the man himself, Steve Noodleberg, who's dressed to impress every day for success, always killing the style game, never letting us down. Thank Ever. You, sir. And it's a shame it's a podcast because these people should see how good you look. Well, my, my friends on Facebook. Can they can, that. but by the time they're hearing this, that that's, will already be over. That's a good point. See, I'm a, thank you for the kudos, though, man. You know, I think it's important to dress for There's success. a lot of things I can do for you. One thing I can't do is bend space and time. I can't, I can't actually. Oh, come on. I, there's a lot I can do. One thing I've not been able to do is time travel for you just yet. But you have set the expectation that you can do anything. Well, I, the impossible is nothing. Muhammad Ali said that. Look at your success. Look at who would who would have guessed you'd ever amount to anything. Anything's possible. And here you are. People are flying you in to speak to them and coach them on sales and networking and success. And who would have ever thought that was possible? No, not me, and certainly not my high school teacher. Now you're, you, you go back, and if any of them are still alive, let them know. Hey, remember you all said I'd never make anything of myself. Now look at this, this and then the, hand them a copy of the book. Only, only happens in this universe. Happy, hand them a copy, the book "Confessions of a Serial Salesman: Twenty Seven Rules for Influencers and Leaders That Will Change Your Life and Business." And we are going to touch today on Rule Fifteen. Everybody works eight to five. Winners work five to eight. That's AM to PM or We'll also get to Rule 13 from the book. Act like it's your first day, as we all understand. That's an attitude of gratitude, as we've covered many times. Absolutely. You know my philosophy? If you treat opportunities and people and things in life once you have them, as you did when you wanted them, you'll never have a problem. Yeah, it's, you know, it's so great to work with you because... You know, the more I get to know you, you live in that mindset. It doesn't matter I that live you're it. not in sales. You have that mindset mm-hmm. of how to keep your thoughts, you know, in, in the right direction. And so it's great to be around you and share all this stuff. As always. Because the dialogue is superb. As always. And then we'll also touch on rule eight, as we always do. you got to learn to earn. It is an everyday process of learning and growing, and that's the only way you can actually succeed in life Every and create day. opportunities instead of waiting for them to happen. Every single day. we got a guest. We do. Who actually went on a job interview once upon a time. I believe it was uh, in the film uh, Speed, in which somebody said, okay, hot shot, wildcat, uh, on the bus with Sandra Bullock, right? We got a wildcat in studio. Pop quiz, hot shot. From the University of Arizona, this young man came to you on a job interview, which wound up being a night out in the town, in which you realized, oh, we got to team up on this. Mark Kaminsky joins us, head coach at Trademark Coaching, commercial and residential agent in real estate, and more than that, someone who gets it, who understands what you understand about the idea of selling and success. Mark, it's nice to meet you a couple minutes ago. Uh, that first night you met this man, Steve Nudelberg, you knew he was different how? Uh, well, he was different, and then he was quite similar as well. So you actually tell the story better, but I'll give it my best shot. Please do. Sure. Um, back then, you only could look in the newspaper for job ads Mm -hmm. and uh, I saw something and I decided to make a phone call and I was invited to come in on that morning so I made a phone call very early in the morning and they said come on in Mm -hmm. 
I got dressed in the only suit that I had at the time, <laughs> straight out of college. With a mullet. You had a mullet working. The best mullet you could ever imagine. <laughs> for, because for those that don't know, Mr. Mark Kaminsky, you ha- look uncannily similar to the actor Stanley Tucci. And I'm sure Been you told. hear that a lot. Been Stanley told. Tucci. But now you're telling us you had a Mike Gundy mullet, Oklahoma State football coach. Totally. And that's a tough visual for me right now. A bit of Billy Ray, but yeah, absolutely. <laughs> a little, a little achy breaky heart. A little achy breaky. Yeah. All right. Here's Proceed. a quarter. So call somebody who cares. You're wearing your suit, not a suit, but your suit. I'm wearing my suit. <laughs> yep. I show up for the interview. I'm brought in upstairs to a magnificent office that uh, the executives had. And it was a firing line of about four or five at the time. And then it was reduced to about two. Mm-hmm. And then was reduced to about Steve in a series of incredible questions for which I was ill-equipped to answer. Had no idea what I was doing other than the fact that I just had to just answer the questions to the best of my ability. Wasn't sure whether or not I knew what the job was about, um, but there was an immediate connection that I had with one independent individual in there, and that was Steve. So the two of us had a little bit of uh, eye contact, a little bit of you had me at hello. We continued to talk. We then separated. We talked a little bit more, and he then said, listen, stick around, hang out. We got a sales uh, meeting at the office and then we'll go out a little bit afterwards. And then I'm going to let you take over because you tell it a little yeah, bit better Yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of cool when I think back to it. You know, it's still fundamental that if there's that connection, and you talked about eye to eye, a lot of people don't look you in the eye. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's one of the key things. Mm-hmm. Shake a hand firmly, mm-hmm. look someone in the eye. He did all that remarkably well for a young guy who had never really been in, a, in this kind of setting. And It's I, those little things that matter. Totally. Those little things that matter when we talked about vibe in the first couple episodes of the podcast. You get a vibe off someone if they are confident, sincere, your body language, eager to learn, and interested in being there. Oh, And that I have. He was equally equally as full of shit as I am. So it was really. really, That I have. That I have. It's a lot of shit for one room. A lot of shit for one room. So I I, I really felt like, oh, it was a big room. (laughs) I hope so. Uh, So so really, to bring the the story to to the end, it was that I thought there was a spark there. And for me, every single employee I've ever hired and when I go into other companies, you can tell who the winners are. They have an inner spark, something about them that I felt was willing to take a shot on, number one. And number two was he wasn't coming to me with baggage from all the other sales jobs that he mm-hmm. had. So it was pretty raw right out of school. I'm sure that he had uh, you know, taken advantage of all of the things that college has to offer you, which was part of the fun story. At the University of Arizona, which, there's lots to take advantage of. No, yeah. Number one party school. So I had made in my mind to hire him um, and... <laughs> I said to him, listen, I think there's probably something we could do together, but, you know, we have a drug policy, so I'm going to need the drug test. <laughs> We're going to have to drug test you. And then later that evening, he realized that that was a farce. Okay. All right. <laughs> he joined us. Now, you've gone on record, Steve, is saying that Mark was, quote, the greatest student you ever had. Greatest student you ever had. Yeah, I mean, but clearly um, he um, came to the situation and said, I don't really know. I want to learn teach me everything you can. And, and again, you know, when Warren Stuhl was on the, on the podcast, he mm-hmm. talked about teach me, teach me. You know, I think if you can live in that mentality of like, like what do you have to offer me? How can I learn from you? Right. It, and he did with a blank slate. And to this day, we still banter back and forth about the, what's happened in the sales environment, what's happened in each category, real estate, or, you know, any product or, or service. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I actually wrote about him in, in the chapter about, you know, the eight to five piece because, 
you know, most people work from eight to five and then take the hat off. It's Fred Flintstone. It's yabba dabba dude time. And they're going home. And the winners are the ones that they're punching the clock. That, right, the winners are the ones that don't punch the clock right. and get it. Rule 15 in your book. Everybody works eight to five. Winners work five to eight. It is a mentality that is you are should always be thinking of ways to grow, to succeed, to connect, to network. Where it's not punching at you. If you work on a factory and that's your job and that's your job, that's the case. But you're never going to leave the, the, the you're never going to leave the assembly line, right? You're never going to leave the exactly factory. Right. That mindset. Uh, you've taken this yourself, Mark, and obviously, in real estate's a very competitive landscape. There's a lot of very attractive people, and, and you got to be more than that, don't you? Yeah. To be as successful as you have been, certainly with Caldwell Banker. So. A quick story that's part of what we just talked about, and I'm going to just take you guys back to University of Arizona, where it started with me, and then the number one attraction that it's I had be a long story. with Steve. No. We got time. <laughs> but we got time. I went to school in Arizona, and my family was here. There was a time difference. Every single morning, my father would call me at his time, but at my time was 5 o'clock in the morning. So he's got 8 a.m. Eastern, and you got 5 p.m. Pacific. Exactly. a.m. Pacific. Exactly. Now, then we only had landlines, and everybody's phone rang. So all of my roommates, all four years, had to endure with the phone that was ringing. Now, anytime I had a new roommate, I would tell them, listen, unplug your phone. I don't know what to do, but my dad's just old. That's my opinion. My dad's just old, and he doesn't get it. No, at the time, I said old, right? But (laughs) it gets to that. Right. And all throughout those four years, I had to endure him calling me every single morning at 5 a.m. Fast forward, graduate, sitting on the stoop, having a cigar, having a beer. He says, tell me, kid, what do you think, man? You graduated college. What, what are you going to miss? I said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to miss everything, but there's one thing I'm not going to miss. And he's mm-hmm. like, what's that? I'm like, and, and the language, this is a Brooklyn dad, right? Yeah. So the language is not for, for, for now, but right. I'll, I'll, I'll keep it PG, but was about me not missing your phone call every single morning at 5 a.m. You're I'm, not going to miss it. I'm not going to miss that. <laughs> I'm probably going to get to sleep in. And, he, and I said, you, you know, y- you had to know what the time difference was. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me with this smirk that I can still see now. And he's like, you're an idiot. And I, it, the words were a lot worse than that. You're I said, what are you talking idiot. about? Yeah. He said to me, and I'm paraphrasing at this point, but he said, listen, you may not be the smartest guy. You may not be the best. You're definitely not going to be the most experienced. He said, but you're going to be first. You're going to be first, and then you're going to be last until you become those other three qualities. I meet Steve, and I don't know how much that set in because I couldn't practice it, but when I met Steve, this guy was the only one that was up before I was. So I'm thinking I'm up at 5 a.m., and no cell phones, although we were in the business, but at the time it was knocking at the door and says, come on, we're going to breakfast, and it's 5 o'clock in the morning, and that's when the business day started. Mm -hmm. And what we got done at 8 o'clock when everybody else started coming in was more than a day's worth of work because we had no distractions. None. Your, your dad was giving you a master's coursework, an MBA, while you were an undergrad, and there's a reason why I'm calling you because I know it's five and where you are, and you're going to get your ass up, and you're going to go to class, and you're going to learn from this. This is how you win because yep. you're going to be first. And you subscribe, and this is why you have coffee five times before 10 a.m. Right, Steve? You know, these, these things Coffee work. meetings, when yeah, I say. Yeah, they, these things work. You know, it's great to hear that that was something his dad did and certainly, you know, invested his time every morning at 8 mm-hmm. o'clock to do it for you. But it's these little things that make such a huge difference in your career. And that's, you know, in the trainings I do, I try and tell people these are not monumental changes in your life. If you're willing to get up early, number one rule, and then those hours 
early from five to eight. You know, I, I obviously get up earlier than that, but yeah. And then even more importantly, the after hours, the five to eight at night, when people, excuse the pun, let their hair down. They check out. They're not, you know, the people that you want to do business with, they're not answering phones and doing the mechanics of all the things that they have to do Mm -hmm. during a day. They're more relaxed. You have much more opportunity to connect with them on a personal basis. And so instead of getting in the race when everybody's bombarding them, now's the, hey, let's let's meet at 6 o'clock. Let's meet at 6.30. And trust me, this was amazing to me. There are certain people who actually test it. They want to see what your commitment is, whether you'll meet them first thing in the morning or you'll meet them. It's a test. How committed are you to me? You know, let's meet at 730. Well, you know, I've heard salespeople go, oh, you know what? That's my private time. I go, listen, you know what? There's a line of people waiting to get the French fry job at McDonald's. You know? That's right. That way you can punch a clock and get in and out. This is, you got to go where they are, when they are, show that commitment. And so it's not really all that hard. But when I look back, all of the major significant relationships I've developed have been in those two buckets of time. Those two buckets. Before five. Early there and then after when, they, when they're a little more social. The rest of it is a race. Everybody's fucking going after the same stuff. We made a living that way. Yeah. And you tested me from yeah. the very beginning. I got to see the the lesson that I was look, that I was told. I, I got to see it in practice by working with you at first, and then I carried that through um, within my industry for what I do. Asking people when I start the relationship to meet me at a very early time in the morning to test their commitment. Can, and there's a big difference between those that will it, and those that won't. Indeed, there is. There's a difference between willing and wanting. Mm-hmm. And oh, I great. subscribe I to that. that. Confessions of a Serial Salesman, Episode 6. Our guest today, Mark Kaminsky. We'll, we'll come back in a minute to what it means to be head coach at Trademark Coaching. Uh, you, successful in commercial and residential uh, in real estate. Uh, but I want to get immediately to Rule 13 from the book. Act like it's your first day. This is not just business. This is not just showing up at the office. You don't, I tell people, you don't have to work today. You get to work today because I remind people all the time. Remember how bad you wanted that job that you're bitching about right now on Facebook that you all, remember, maybe it didn't turn out to be what you thought it was, but you didn't act this way. You didn't have this attitude on your first day. And you certainly didn't have it when you went there for the final interview. When you were trying to get what it is that you got. Elaborate. So, so you definitely get it. But, you know, I try and put, put people in the mindset. And I just wrote about this in my recent blog. You know, we talk about the word intern. You know, people hire interns all the time. Mm-hmm. And when you hire an intern, they're so excited to come. They're basically a sponge. Tell me what to do, where to do it, get my lunch, get whatever it is that you ask them to do. That mindset is I'm here to learn what it is to get hired here and go to the next level. You don't like the term. I don't like the term. No. The term. But, it, but it's people get it. Right. You know, so, you know, for me, it's always MIT, you know, manager, manager and training. training. Yeah. Because to, to me, that intern, people look down on interns. It's just a packaging mm-hmm. thing. But, but understanding that people take that job as a mental, you know, summer interns all the time. I met some of the smartest young people who said, I just want to get in your organization and do whatever it takes to make an impact. And I always tell them add value and all. Well, that mindset people move away from human instinct takes you away and it kills me. We get into organizations where we actually raise money for charity because every time we hear this saying, Oh, we used to do it that way. Boom, 25 bucks in the jar, you know, because 
what do you mean you used to do it that way? No, nothing happens the way it used to happen, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, w- when I say to them, hey, you used to do that, w- w- what do you mean? You know, and I'll, I'll talk to a sales guy and go, oh, yeah, I used to do that all the time. I go, was it successful? They go, unbelievably. I go, then why the hell did you stop doing it? Right. Well, we're, we're programmed to take shortcuts. You know, that's what we do. You know how to get somewhere, mm-hmm. right? Well, now all of a sudden I'm going to take a shortcut and I'm not going to do this. I'm going to cheat a little bit here and I'm going to cheat a little bit here. And all of a sudden you've cheated the process. And what I tell salespeople is it's all about the process. It's the process that produces the results, not you, not, you know, your product or service. It's the process. So, you know, if you act like your first day, you will do things that you will not do if you've been there 10 years. It's just classic. Mark Kaminsky, what does that mean to you? Uh, in, in the book, rule number 13, act like it's your first day. For me, it is uh, remember how it felt when you wanted it. Yeah. And if you do that, everything goes a whole lot better and you're probably going to find more success. But for you, who's been successful in real estate, what does that mean to you? A lot of people equate fear to being a negative word, and I don't. So I think on a first day, you combine fear and enthusiasm and excitement, and that could be something that's really special because you open yourself up to saying, Whatever is here for me, I need to make the best out of it because I don't know if I'm going to make it there tomorrow. I'm not sure if I'm going to be there. And if you act in, in that fashion each and every day, those that are around you want to be a part of it because what's lacking out in the business world over time is enthusiasm. And those that get comfortable, fear is lacking. So fear can be a wonderful motivating, incentivizing factor towards success? It's channeled in the right way. You have to understand and take control of what your fear is about. I operate a lot off of fear, but I channel it in the right way. And maybe in the end, it's not necessarily what fear is. It could be anxiety. It could be a variety of different things. But the first day, you're scared. Well, listen, the higher up the ladder you go, there's definitely more fear. Yeah. You know, every ladder, you know, every promotion, every, every, every rung, you look at it and you go, oh my God, like I got here. Now what? Now, now what am I going to do? You think the guys that came from the minor leagues that were playing for the Yankees weren't scared shitless at the plate in the world series. Oh my God, I'm here. Now what? You know? So I think it's facing that fear. That's a really good point that when you start, there is fear of the unknown. And then you face that fear, you learn how to conquer it, you get better and better at it. And you sprinkle it with enthusiasm because you're excited. It's your first day and everybody's excited well, you, about it. You're not birthday. worrying about all the negatives. Oh, look at the shit I got to put up with at this job. Look at this. And they're making me do more paperwork and stuff like that. In the beginning, if they told you in order to close a deal, you needed to run three laps, you would have run three laps. Now, let's get back to the process. It's such a buzzword now in sports, obviously. The whole Philadelphia 76ers basketball program that entire, that entire organization it, it, it runs on the motto of trust the process, which is a great way to tell your fans, we kind of suck. Give us a little <laughs> bit of time. We're going to get there. When Frank Thomas went into the Hall of Fame in baseball, uh, he said there are no shortcuts, which is two things. It's number one, telling people, hey, you work hard. You do the process. You'll get there. It also said, I didn't use steroids to those who did and who are not going into the Hall of Fame. So it was a double-edged message in what he said that when you talk about the process we obviously, Steve, as we grow in success and sales, are looking for better ways to do things. Not shortcuts, not cheating, but more efficient, more effective means, right? So here's a perfect example Please. For, for salespeople. You know, prospecting is the lifeblood of any sales guy's life or sales you know, mm-hmm. woman's life. You know, prospecting is something you need to do. It constantly stirs it. Well, that's the one piece that, you know, successful salespeople start to slide on. It's okay, you know. How? I'm not going to, in the beginning, you have nothing, you 
prospect to find the gold. Then you find the gold. You eat a little bit. You feel good. You climb the ladder. It's when you reach the success point that all of a sudden you go, well, I don't need to do that anymore. I'm the senior vice president. I'm the this title. I'm that. And for me, I still act every day like it's my first day, like I have nothing in the pipeline, and I'm treasured with the opportunity to go tell my story and build a new relationship. And I set those goals, and those who have worked with me know that my goals are about building relationships, not necessarily closing. So, you know, acting like it's my first day. What did you do on your first day? You had nothing, man. They threw you a book and told you to start cold calling. Mm -hmm. You know, while I don't cold call now, I still prospect all the time. I prospect as if I have nothing. I prospect from a, you know, a a mentality of I have nothing I got to go get. Um, or, Or in some entrepreneurs' mindsets, it's famine. You know, whoa! I'm going to go out of business tomorrow if right. I don't do the right things. And if you do fear. the right things Factors every day, into the fear, a little yeah, bit of fear. Yeah, right. You know, so I operate from that mentality of doesn't matter if it's 11 o'clock at night or you know 6:30 or 5:30 in the morning. I'm totally drilled in on the activities that new salespeople need to be good at. Mark, on the prospecting end, what mistakes do people make? What, what aside from stopping doing it, taking it for granted? What mistakes do people make? In sales. In sales, specifically, prospecting isn't about selling. Prospecting is about understanding whether or not you've got somebody that you want to do business with. Mm. When you convert and reverse the process where it's about you making the decision, then you have a better chance of being, and I hate using the word authentic because that's what it's about. But, genuine But it's authentic, genuine and authentic and all those buzzwords. You know, the, the, the hot one right now is relationship capital, right? We talk about capital being the currency. Relationship capital. And relationship capital. So prospecting for me is all about making sure that I have a very strong relationship with who I want to do business with, and then I get to decide. But how do you do that authentically? How do you develop these relationships where it's authentic, where it's not, okay, we get it, we want, you want to do business. We, we get it, eventually you want money from how do you authentically develop those? Well, it might be a segue in too soon, but it is about learning before you earn. You have to know who you're working with. You have to you have all the information in front of you. We now have all of social media. We have websites. We have periodicals. We have magazines. We have everything at our disposal to be do able to homework? learn about some. Do your homework. Learn. You don't need to make a sale tomorrow if it's going to prevent the future of doing business with somebody for the remainder of time that you're in the industry. Is that a mistake? I mean, I would assume, Steve, that's a mistake you probably speak about when you're brought into lecture, is that when you, if you're going in before you get to know someone, develop a relationship, and you're trying to sell them, immediately you're, you're probably uh, you know, creating a, a possible problem where you'll never be able to develop a relationship, let alone do business. You, you know, it's so great. I'm going to give you a real example that happened yesterday. I got introduced to the senior executive for a very large shipping company based in Miami. Guy said, you guys need to meet, whatever. We, you know, we hadn't met yet, um, but yesterday was the face-to-face meeting. I go, you know, I get to their office, beautiful office overlooking all of downtown Miami, spectacular. I go into the guy's office, and we start talking, and there were birthday balloons. There were balloons everywhere. It was his birthday, and we, in getting to talk to each other, I had looked up a bunch of stuff about him. I see he was pretty much of a global entrepreneur. He had been around the world and whatever, and he starts the conversation with, Really excited to meet you. I'm a little disappointed because I'm moving to Vietnam in two months. Mm. 
you know, and mm-hmm. it was like, you know, the, you can almost hear the, the, the music, the track music was right, where most salespeople <laughs> would turn off and go, okay, this guy can't do it. Cause he can't anything. do anything for me. Right. See? So instead of that, I said, wow, one, tell me about the opportunity. Told me about the opportunity. Told me about the company. Told me about why he was qualified for that opportunity. And then in turn asked me what I did. I said, happy. I'd share with you what I do. And I said, I'm, I'm, you know, really business development. I work with a lot of, you know, companies. I work, you know, with, with individuals. And he said, you know what? Every quarter we have uh, the entire national sales team come in Mm -hmm. to Miami. I I know as a company philosophy, we like to have outside speakers in there. Please get me a proposal tomorrow Mm -hmm. that I can turn over to my replacement and tell him this is my recommendation for first quarter. Whoa. You know, I didn't ask for the order. I didn't ask him to do business with me. And then we, we got to laughing and I said, Bruno, let, let me ask you this question. If you didn't like me in the first three seconds of our conversation, right. what are the chances that you're going to refer me to anybody, do anything? Oh, and by the way, I live under this mentality. You never know. Right. I now know a senior executive in Vietnam. He told me all about the economy in Vietnam and what was happening you talk about learn to earn. I walked out of there with such a new education. Everything that used to happen, happen in Taiwan is now happening in Vietnam. It's like, wow, I never would have thought of that. So I learned. I met a guy who could not be more gracious and fantastic. I learned about him and his family. And I walked out of there, and I genuinely was not hung up on whether I get the speaking gig or not mm-hmm. or the training gig. I met somebody that's now part of my world that I think makes my world better. Because you authentically took an interest without, you know, we, we've talked about character being revealed by how you treat those that can do nothing for you. If you're going out, I would imagine, in sales and how can you help me and be a benefit to me, not only is it disingenuous and authentic, people see through it, right? Because they don't, no one wants to be sold. They want you to explain to them how you are going to make their life easier wealthier or get them more sex at the end of the day right isn't that how well you know what it is always about sex not necessarily in that order and not necessarily in that order but uh you know i love the idea that someone said you guys got to know each other and i get told that a lot and i tell other people that because i like connecting people where i know you're going to benefit you're going to benefit you got a jar of peanut butter you got a jar of jelly he's got a loaf of bread Go make some sandwiches you're all happy you're better off together otherwise and you are programmed that way and i've seen it happen the unfortunate part is a lot of people do that introduction and then the parties don't act on it. They never actually get together. Right. And for me, the curious nature of how I operate, I just want to know. Now you talk about helping. So the guy's telling me he's moving. And I said, oh, wow. You know, he goes, oh, and I bought a home. And I said, well, I know a lot of people in the real estate business. My partner in business, Zach, his wife is in real estate. My wife is in real estate. Hey, listen. If you need help, if you, you know, I got this bozo. Mark Kaminsky sitting next to you. He's in real estate. Rank right. three, apparently. Right. Well, <laughs> not I, wait, so not we necessarily about, in that order. We talked about sex first. So, you, know, like, uh, you know, so, but, but the reality is I was more than willing to help him. Right. Which he totally got. He understood that mentality. And he was like, listen, you're different. You know, I wasn't yep. a guy that showed up to sell him any service or product or, you know. When you start looking to connect others for their gain and benefit without concerning yourself, it just seems like the universe starts being kinder to you. Things start to fall in place for you as well. When it when your intention isn't. And I know they say, wait a minute, this is about sales. This is about bottom line. This is about success and money. But you can be successful in life as a result of helping others become successful by merely 
introducing them to each other and wanting them to grow. Mark, am, am I crazy on this? I know Russell Simmons tweets about the idea of if you can't make yourself money today, you can help others make money uh, by knowing each other. Yeah, I think in general, it it's all depends on, on how you feel and doing what you do. A, a little known fact about a lot of salespeople is that they don't like to ask for business. Mm-hmm. They don't like they it. Try. They don't like the way that it makes them feel. Yep. I myself might say the same thing if I were to just come right out and say, I need you to do business with me. It, it's awkward for me. I'm one of them. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that are that way. If you can find a different approach where it's about, hey, how can I help you? What can I do for you? Let me tell you a little bit about what I do. Let's see if we can do things together today, tomorrow, in the future. Who do you know that I might be able to help? How can I make some introductions for you? It, that feels good. And I think in the end, the reason why salespeople are more successful is because they figure out what makes them feel the best. Yeah. And those that are Stick really good, That's they authentic. Stay. Exactly what you were going to say. Those that are really good, they figure it out and they stick with it. They, stay they with run it. with that right. as long as they can you make know, it happen. You know, it's interesting because a lot of the new groups that I, I train with, their intention is to get on the phone and sell somebody something. And I go, that's the most daunting job ever. Forget that. Just go on and sort of do a survey. Find out if you like them. The equivalent to a root canal. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Sounds fun. Uh, Mark Kaminsky, it says head coach, trademark coaching, commercial, uh, etc. Trademark coaching, head coach. It's a unique job title, description, occupational description. What exactly does that mean to be head coach at trademark? And Mark is capitalized for those that don't know. Trademark coaching is a play off of my name. Trade in front of it could be for an industry that's outside what I primarily focus on. The vertical I stay in is in within real estate. Uh, came from me managing multiple offices with my current company. And when I went off on my own, um, I still had a lot of people that asked and needed and wanted things from me. I would be, and it's another fun story to tell about a family member, but ultimately was having dinner and my kids were very much used to me always taking calls at inopportune times, but I had no choice. Right. And my daughter was nine at the time, my youngest. She might have been nine or ten at the time. When the call came in, she said, hey, Dad, I, I, I thought you don't work for these people anymore. Uh-huh. And um, I said, I don't, but, you know, I'm getting a call and somebody needs my help and I want to help out. And she's just like, well, are they paying you? Mm-hmm. And I said, hmm, no. And then I figured, let me figure that out, right? And that was a tough transition to go to the same people and now say, you got to pay. Found out that the industry of coaching is the most sought after self-help need for anybody that's successful ever. And there is not a, a limit that people won't pay if you can show them that they can take their business to the next level. And that you, you hit on a key. You, you need to be able to validate your value in that point. And it's a gift. Have to. You know, I, I do yep. the same. When I get involved with people, they get better. When you get involved in people, they get better. Forget about the money side. There's a whole spiritual side. They're growing like, wow, as a man. soul. They can see it. They, you know, so you know, want to be careful. Like I, I know you. I know the people that you've trained, and I've spoken to them. It, you know, the fact that you're getting paid is a smart way to manage your business. But the fact that you fundamentally can do it, you can do it well, um, is just so incredible that you, you know, that gift that that you can be bestow on people. So because. To be fair, there's a lot of people in the coaching space <laughs> that are just really not that They're good, terrible. that don't really. Well, there's an old saying, you know, before we wrap this up, because we're short on time, there's an old saying that Jack Black said in the movie School of Rock, those that can't do coach. Yep. And that doesn't well, have to be the case. Be, right. That's, that's, that's the old be, mentality right. of, 
your gym class teacher because you couldn't make it in Major League Baseball. But uh, th- th- that old that that old stigma uh, kind of stays to that idea. But that's not the case. Well, when I stand, shouldn't be the when case. I stand up in front of you know groups of people to speak, I qualify and I say I am not a sales trainer or mm-hmm. a sales coach. Mm-hmm. I'm a sales doer. Right. That is actually sharing with you yep. best practices of what I do. Yep. So I would never ask anybody to do anything I'm not already doing or haven't tested. Amen. And, you know, Amen so, to which that. is why this gentleman, you know, uh, I get this kind of gratitude. I get to see, a, you know, a grown Mark Kaminsky, who, you know, who had yeah. his Mr. Miyagi moment, as I call it, from Karate Kid, <laughs> when uh, he figured out the reason that he was uh, painting the deck and sanding the, fe- uh, painting, painting the fence and sanding the deck and waxing the car. Was his dad calling at 5 a.m.? Because that was your Miyagi moment. Wax on. You didn't know why it was called, but then he, this is why. Wax yeah. on. And the rest yeah. is Thank you for being with us today, hey, Mark. Thank you for having me. Appreciate that very much. Head coach, trademark coaching. Steve, as always, every week, it's time for you to tell us something good. What you got? So, um, as everybody should know by now, I'm an obsessed father and obsessed grandfather. Yep. So, uh, this past weekend was bye week for the Florida Gators. So I got a special visit from uh, the coach. The coach. J- Jake was in town. We Your spent, son. We spent an amazing full day together um, eating breakfast on the island. We went and did some shopping, you know, crushed the Nike uh, outlet, watched some great football, and then I uh, had a steak dinner at Okeechobee Steakhouse. Shout out to uh, my, my friends and bartenders there, Stacy. Um, so, you know, that to me, family just fills me up. Uh, two weeks before, Mark and I were in uh, Gainesville at the uh, Vanderbilt game. Got to spend time with Jake again. And then I'm already booked for November 17th and 18th. I'll be in um, Pennsylvania for the Lehigh Lafayette Challenge. That's that's a lot of good so, stuff. That's all good, man. My family is good. good. stuff. Well, we appreciate you um, joining us once again, uh, Mark. It was great to have you with us. And Steve, continue showing people by doing what you do to allow them to be just a little better at what it is that they want to be. Thank you, sir. And uh, our next do it guest, again. We'll we're going to do it again. We'll do it again. We'll do it again. And our next we'll guest, do it again. We'll do it Brandon again. Steiner. Brandon Steiner will be joining Entrepreneur, us. Entrepreneur, uh, serial Met, Jet, Giant, Yankee. Uh, he's done all right for himself. He's done all right. And you know what? He really, really has a lot to say. Yeah. We, we just, you know, have, we're on the same page, so I'm excited to have him on the show. But, yep. you know, what a thrill, man. You're, you're the best. And I'm sure he's excited to, to chat with me. I'm, I bet he has a circle. Specifically. I bet he's been sleepless nights. Just like our friend John Sally said, you're the quarterback. The qu- what a quarterback. Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the book, again, 27 Rules for Influencers and Leaders That Will Change Your Life and Business. Until next time, for Steve Nodelberg, Josh Cohen, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Down the ball.